Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. It's Marcia. We're going to have a great show today. We have, as uh, well as you all know, I do always mention Jack Remick, so he will be on the show now because I always <laughs> refer to him in a lot of ways. And he has brought another wonderful guest to us, Carolyn Hall. And um, his friends have become my friends. And um, that's a good thing. I, so that's one of the things about Facebook. You know, marketing is very hard and None of us really like it, but the thing that the good thing that comes out of it is that we make really actual friendships from it, and not just liking or sharing. We actually talk to each other, not only through Facebook. So I think that's something to remember that you can pick up some really good friendships online, and if you try, you know. And I think that's the best part of for me doing the shows and all of this. And today, this is the last show for the summer. You know, as the summer goes on, I mean, it's the last show, and I think, you know, I always say I'm taking weeks off, but I might sneak a show in here and there, but maybe not. I'm actually going to try to write and to actually think, which might be a good thing, and not do a 100 things at one time because that's what we all do. And I think on this show we will talk about that, how important creativity and art and the art of writing and the art of, you know, being, well, actually, Karen will talk Carolyn will talk more about what she does because she's very creative in her artwork. And so I'm going to introduce Jack first because Jack will talk about the things he's doing right now. Jack, you have not been on for a while. It's been a while. Right. COVID I, has, yeah, been, you, uh, you know, COVID has not been a great year and a half for all of us. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, I actually, in perspective, I actually had COVID. You know, I survived yes, it, I so I think of myself as a, as a survivor who can speak about these things, which incidentally connected me to Carolyn. She and I had COVID at about the same time. She had a much more serious case than I did. Uh, but it well, yours, was not, your, yours wasn't easy either. You didn't have an easy time no, no. either. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so I, I think the good news is... I think the good news is anybody that has survived serious. COVID... When you survive yeah. COVID, I mean, you're here to talk about it, So, and you're here alive. So I think that's yeah. the other thing that's really important about today's show is that you made friendships, and you both are here to talk about it, knock wood, because everybody yeah. knows how superstitious I am. So, all right. okay. so Jack, Jack, talk a little bit about yourself first, and then we're going to let Carolyn talk about all her work. Okay. Um, 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer, a poet, a novelist, and in the past couple of years I've become an essayist. Um, I've written things about things uh, all this time. I have a bunch of essays uh, of different depths and different targets. Uh, but when I started uh, these essays called What Do I Know?, I was writing with other people at Louise's Bakery and Cafe, which became kind of a writer's institution in Seattle. But I have about, I think I have 24 books out there, Marsha. I'm not quite yeah, sure yeah. how many. And you also have uh, your, you know, your other site that you have that you've helped writers over the years. Right, yeah. yeah. I maintain two sites of my own, and one was my co-writer, Robert J. Ray, who is himself a, an internationally known novelist. Yes, he is. That particular website is called um, Bob and Jack's Writing Blog, but the subtitle is How to Make Good Writing Better. And what we have found in our teaching, we, we both taught at the University of Washington together, team taught some things. What we found is that many, many writers get their work up to a certain level and then they let it go too soon, and it comes back with editorial red marks all over it. So we decided to put all of our work up on our website, Bob and Jack's Writing Blog, free of charge. Go up and get it. And in the in the long run, it makes your, your writing get stronger, we think. All right. My two personal blogs are bloodthenovel.com and jackremick.com. One of them, the, the jackremick.com, is kind of a an ego trip where I put up all my things in my book. You know, <laughs> right, it's sort of patting my own You're allowed that. And, <laughs> You're allowed yeah. that. And then, the, and then the second one is called Blood the Novel, and that's a one I've had for a couple of years now, uh, put together for me by Ziva Gronostowski. She does really good work, but it's all about the work. That one is nothing but work. I don't, I don't think well, of course, being a writer, I have to talk about myself. But the <laughs> issue there is how do I get my books out separated from me? I think that the, the cult of the I has become almost, you know, exhaustive in this stage. And I try to find ways to get around that. That's where I am at the moment. And you seem to get out there. You have your Facebook page and you have other things out there that keep people abreast of what's happening in the world. And so yeah. and you have a lot of friends on there that really, you know, they're they have really enjoyed your work and they I have too, you know, as far and certainly you have helped so many writers out there. So and now let's talk to Carolyn because uh you introduced me to Carolyn and Carolyn is quite a busy person. So, hi, Carolyn. I'm so glad you're on the show, and we can talk about hi, all your Marcia. work. Hi, It's Jack. great to have you on. It's great to have you, you on. So, tell us about yourself uh, and, you know, what people should really know about you, because there's a lot. Um, there is a lot. Um, I wanted to back up, um, Jack, when I, I think the whole world now is looking at our work and looking at the world itself through the the lens of the pandemic. And Jack just said that uh, that I had uh, COVID worse than he did. I did have COVID. Um, I just wanted to begin with that. But Jack, 
Um, I think I just complained more than you did. I, I, I really think you had it worse than I did. So, anyway. Well, I think, look, it, you know, it's not really complaining when you both were very sick. I mean, I you know, if he's saying you were sicker than he, because I know how sick he was, you know. So, and the truth of the matter is, it, it's really, it was a tough, it's very tough virus. I mean, it just is. Yeah. There's There's Anybody. no two ways about it. Go ahead. So I'm glad. You, did you know you know each other before that? We met each other um, I, um, once in person. Um, I had written and published my novel, Rose and Gannon, and I mentioned it to Jack on Facebook. It was a conversation about women in conventional roles, and I, I don't remember all of the conversation, but, but I said that I had written a book about uh, women um, in the 1960s, and would he take a look at it? Or, or I said, I probably said, you need to read my book. Well, <laughs> Jack, did read, Jack did read my book. Well, that's Jack's and, specialty uh, is women. <laughs> Jack's specialty is women. <laughs> we know that already. That we know. He's a very generous author to women. Well, so we met, um, we got together at the Elliott Bay Book Company and a bookstore and talked. And, and Jack came in and Jack said, well, I didn't expect to like it. So I remember it, Jack. Um, <laughs> but but he did. And and we had a just a beautiful conversation as I heard from Jack what he had heard what was the book he read because every reader hears something different and and this yes. book was uh, yeah and this book is through the eyes of an 11 year old child in 1963 growing up in a very traditional irish catholic family and jack related to that having grown up mormon and and the idea of of growing up in a in a religious culture, so I learned something from that. Um, but so we've met, I'd met you before, Jack. I'd popped in at workshops and, and write-ins, I think at Louise's Cafe over the years, and uh, but I don't, you know, we never, I don't think we ever talked uh, much, And um, but we were friends on Facebook. And then Jack got COVID, and I reached out and said, you know, do you, if you want to talk, I had it too, and that yeah. felt so important um, yeah. during this pandemic to be able to talk yeah. really candidly with someone, because that was all that was going on when you had it. That was the umbrella of your entire life. Yeah. So yeah, and Jack it was and a very dark. Hey, look, it, it was the, what we can remember from that last year and a half. It, it was a very dark time for people. You know, I think. Um, I'll just add that because I, most of my guests that we had, we had a lot of school teachers on and we had a lot of children's shows talking about writing and it was very traumatic for everybody, you know, staying home with their kids and trying to teach them. And, I mean, it was really a horrifying year and I hope we never, uh, ever have to go Marcia, back to anything uh, Marcia, like can that. I, can, I, can I dovetail into that? Uh, yeah. Carolyn is writing and thinking about the emergence how do we emerge from COVID in any kind of a way that's going to be fruitful for us as artists and even as citizens? So, Karen, will you go into that, your ideas about the emergence and being with people? 
Well, I think that it, it is a conversation that that all of us are just beginning to have. We have all gone through something um, unlike anything else in in yes. our lifetime. A complete yeah. game changer. You know, it's a, it's a new paradigm, a new zeitgeist. Um, all those words, and we've all gone through it together, but separately. You're going through it, Marsha. Jack is. I am. My neighbor yeah, is. Yeah. We're all going yeah. through this, but we've been isolated, and we're yeah. just beginning to emerge. Yes. And that's you know that that that's so fascinating. Um, I um, am an educator, so throughout the pandemic, I taught online classes with art students, I taught writing classes at Cornish College of the Arts, and. Um, uh, my students were just absolutely struggling with their um, their mental health, their physicality. Yeah. Not everyone was yeah. tired. How do we get through this time? Um, yeah. And they thought they weren't doing anything. And, I, um, you know, it wasn't a time of normal productivity. It wasn't like, oh, we get to stay home, let's bake bread, yeah. let's do yoga. That was the advice we all got in the beginning. Let's make art. And I have yeah. so many projects. Going on, but um, but in the beginning, I I um, started working on a book that's an addition to a collection of books that I've been making called Dada Dreams, and it's a it's a tiny collage book, and I didn't know none of us knew back in March 2020 that we were going to be isolated for a year. We didn't I know. know that. So, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So unlike other books other projects that we work on, I didn't have an end in mind. Um, I was just really trying to get through my day. And I think a lot of my art is like that. It has sort of an organic process. But but I started um, collecting phrases and collecting images like you do in dreams, just collecting them, literally cutting them out and putting them in bowls and creating a book with them. Mm -hmm. And... In March 2021, I realized that I'd been working on this book of images and phrases for an entire year, and that it told the story of not just my experience with the pandemic, but a world experience of the pandemic. Um, and it fascinated me because it was told like dreams are told. It was it was told without. Uh, Conscious organization, uh, without uh, ambition, uh, it was like a dream in that all these images and words and phrases came together from different times, from different places, just like they do in our dreams. You know, you'll see a, your dream, you'll be rowing down the river and you're 15 years old and then you're teaching a college classroom. And so all these things came together and I just collected and collected and Carolyn, can I can I can I interrupt here for one second? Please. Yeah, uh, I know that. No, that you're, Jack, you're, Jack, you're, just uh, a, Jack, just anytime you want. Yeah, just ask her a question okay, whenever you want. Okay. Okay. But what, what fascinates me about Carolyn's pandemic book is that she herself, I think, is complex in this way. She's interested in Dada and surrealism, and what she just described was, in fact almost a data technique for putting 
images together or surrealist technique as an extension of that. And yet, when you talk to her, she is the most hopeful, clear-thinking, future-thinking person, and yet what comes out of her are these horrific images of the pandemic that are just both startling, amazing. How could those things go side by side? Well, do you think, Carolyn, do you talk think also people, about, I mean, talk to us about the relationship right, between I mean, hope and Do you and think darkness. that people really, right, because people, like, they probably have those in their mind and they have memories, and I think a lot of people don't, you know, when they think back to the darkness, and they do have images, you know, I don't know, uh, Carolyn, do you dream a lot? Well, I I have been dreaming vividly. Day and night, <laughs> really. Yeah, I, I dream too. Yeah, I'm right. I, I do dream a lot, and I had a lot of dreams about COVID. You know, in my dream, and I would wake up. You know, and I really was. You know, a lot of dreams where I wasn't having my mask on, or somebody was next to me without a mask, and it. You know, at the first few, and then I just got. A lot, I had a lot of them. You know, because I think there are so many fears that came along with COVID that people who never had those fears, are, have them. I mean, I worked for doctors for over 20 years, and I never for once even cared. You know, even when I used a mask, if I went into a room with somebody that had something contagious, I never thought about any of those things, ever. And, you know, I could have never done what yeah. I did, you know, for all those years. But then all of a sudden, having this, where our whole world is turned upside down and you're already thinking about all these things, carrying spray with you, putting a mask on, and these were so unfamiliar to everybody. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and, Carolyn, you, you mentioned in, Carolyn, you mentioned that you started putting these images and these phrases mm. in bowls. Now, then you put this book together. How did you go about organizing it? Did you organize yeah, yeah. it? Or did right. it How did you do that? Yes. I, I love that question. Um, and you used the word, or a friend of yours used the word, Dimsmus described um, what he saw of my book as fear and loathing. Um, yeah. But I really didn't know what was there. I was just getting up every day weak from having a COVID, um, my yeah. brain foggy, and getting through the day. The I was day, doing yeah. Uh, kindergarten, mm-hmm. but um, but I did, I did cut things out. I you know I read as you do, um, just you know. I'm an like, well, what kind of images? What kind of images did you cut out? What kind of images? I oh, um, I collect things from literary magazines, from news magazines, uh, mm-hmm. from art catalogs. I collect catalogs and um, discarded books from um, college where I work. So mm-hmm. there's there was mm-hmm. so there's classical art and there were modern images. Um, you know, there's Chris, Chris Como in there. Um, yeah. All sorts of things. It's a mess. It's a mess. Um, it's a mess. I, <laughs> so let me That's let me wonderful. ask you. So, so you you put you put you put Chris Como in there because well, oh, in Como's my opinion, I I feel like people were waiting for him to come on the air for some we relief were. mentally. We were. And I think we were. when people look back at COVID, I think, in my opinion, that his calmness of the situation and direct, you know, his direct conversation to the camera 
was a big help because I remember we would sit and wait for him to come on to hear what was going on. And I think that that he will be remembered for that in a good way right. because he was, it, helped, he was, it helped. Carolyn, let me, oh, let me, I want to push that a little bit more because okay. my question here is how in the world, it sounded to me like you were doing things in a very chance, aleatory way where they just happened. And yet when I look at those images of your books, they are actually coherent processes. So how did sure, you go about Again. Yeah. Okay. But I want to tie that into dreams, and I want to tie that into uh, Dada, and I want to tie okay. that into memory. So I'll start with memory. Okay. Uh, my my older brother um, was a researcher in memory. His PhD. He wrote his PhD about memory, and he told me a long time ago that that memories aren't sequential that you may remember sitting on you know, your grandfather's back porch in 1955 right. and you're listening to Lady Gaga and the memory is vivid because your memory pulls in pieces and makes sense of it. Right. And so it isn't the way things really happened. And dreams are like that too, aren't they? You're in a dream yeah. and you're five years old, but you're showing up on your radio station, right? Yeah. You know, well, right. Well, that's true because sometimes you wonder, you and you wonder how people that you haven't thought about or even people that you might not even really know are in them and how they got there. And there they you are. Know? Yeah. And there they are, right in your dream. <laughs> and you're seeing them and you don't know how they got there. Okay, Carolyn, Carolyn. This, okay, yeah, Jack. Okay, there, the thing okay, that, so, that you're telling me here is that Dada and surrealism are still alive in your brain in the way you're perceiving the world and in your memory, right? So I, the, question, the yeah. question I have, do you belong to a school or a group of, of art, of artists like, you know, like the Beats or like the, the surrealists? You know, are you bringing that stuff into a group, or is this all just flowing out of you as an artist? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> if you can answer that, I'll move on to the next question. Well, then. <laughs> yeah, how can I answer that? Um, I do look at Dada as different than surrealism. I, and people who love surrealism can, you know, inform me on this. But I, I find surrealism a little twee, a little coy. Whereas uh, Dada, um, to me, um, looked for randomness. It was more, um, oh, what's the word? Um, it was anti-establishment. Um, okay. It wasn't trying to make sense, but it did. And it came out during World War One. you know, when, when the horrors of the war um, the horrors of conventions were, um, they were unacceptable. So, you know, the Dada artist responded by trying to make things that didn't make sense. And I think that surrealism, and I'm not an art historian, so forgive me, but um, but surrealism is, is, is much more organized and has a plan than an end in mind. Um, but Dadaism is like your brain, you know, those you being 14 and you're 
and your best friend being you know, 55 and all being there together, but it does have a narrative. There's a narrative there. Um, so I think that um, it's impossible to not make sense. So I was well, pulling phrases and images that, that didn't belong together, but looked beautiful, and I have visual. You know, I'm, a, I'm a visual worker as well, and seeing what ha- would happen if I put them together. I didn't really have a goal. I just okay. wanted to well, save. Let me let me let me take let me let me piggyback on that for a minute. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you talk and when you are, you seem like such a genteel person, you know, living in the world in a genteel way. And yet those images that you have put together are, as you said, anti-establishment in a very powerful way because they indicate the impossible manner in which the establishment dealt with with this COVID outbreak. I mean... Total chaos in the world. What are they doing? They're yeah. doing nothing. You find a way to bring all that together. Not only is it remarkable, but it's admirable. So, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, that whole issue of how your work fits into the into the, the times. You know, what, what is your work doing in this time? Okay. I don't know. Well, I think I think um, what you're right because what you're saying is what you're what you've done is because what what's in a, most a lot of our minds is that we don't even you know when you go back and think about it some of the things that we thought were probably things we never thought about so our brains were probably not the same way that they would be normally because we were in in the house whoever thought that we could all be in the house for such a long period of time and just survive it. It was hard for people. And and it now they're hard. coming out of it. I think they're coming out of it in different ways. And I don't think some of the memories that we have, even though we don't want to remember, we will remember these. Because you can't help but remember this. It was just a very right. dark time that none of us ever wanted to experience. So I think by you, you're you're showing what other people are feeling the same as you, but they're not expressing it the same way you do, but you're trying right. to show them what they can do with those thoughts, I think, right? right. I mean... Yeah. Well, one, oh, a friend of mine who is a writer has a friend who is a psychiatrist, and the friend told my friend, the writer that in her practice she was finding that more and more of her clients are exhibiting what she called human-averse behavior. Human beings are dangerous in COVID. You don't dare go out and socialize with them because you don't know who is going to make you ill. Okay. Well, and Karen, yeah. you told me when we talked one that's time. Kind of a, that, that's, said, that is a, right, that's a scary thought, but that was what was happening. You know, And um, that's a problem for people, I think, a big one. Still, yeah. still. And so so it's what still happens is. is, Carolyn, you told me one time, some time ago, that you went out for the first time without a mask with, uh, to meet with other people, and it was just a sheer joy to be in their presence, even though you didn't have much to talk about. Elaborate well, on that. I mean, and Yeah, and I think that, that all of us right now are hyper-aware of the moment of meeting yeah. people again. We haven't let go of, yeah. the, like you yeah. said, Marcia, yeah. the fear. Is it yeah. dangerous? Is this person yeah. vaccinated? You know, And even if they are, is it really okay? And 
So, yeah. Um, so yeah, but Jack, the story I told you, um, Marsha, I had gone to um, my – I have a grandson, and, and they had a um, one-year birthday party for him. And there were maybe 15, maybe 20 people there coming together for the first time since uh, since being quarantined since the pandemic. And so people of all ages came together. And these were people who've known each other for the most part, for a very long time. My grandson had never been around so many children. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, right, exactly, right. But um, Mm -hmm. but there was an awkwardness. And someone said, this is so awkward. This is so awkward. And then... um, Yeah, it's almost like you're not there and you're there at the same time. You know, it is strange. Yeah, I think that's true. And what do we talk about? Uh-huh. It is yeah. strange. And what do we talk about? How are you? Um, you know, that do you really want to know? That that's a very heavy subject now. I think I um, think people for a long time will be talking about this because I we're still not done. You know, um I know that people are saying we're done, but we're not done. So I think that 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 in itself is a scary thought to some people and because we are not done until we get more vaccinations, you know, uh, for people. Because I do think that we are safe, but then we have that in our mind that we are could also get it from somebody and be walking around with it, and we don't know it now because we're not going to have symptoms, but we are going to give it to somebody that if they didn't have the shot, then they are going to be sick. And they're going to die because the variants are different. But I think that that's what they have to talk about more of because we are not done. And so I think for the people that have had the vaccines, it's kind of, it's unfortunate. It's kind of like before the election. It's We're in different groups. And sometimes you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to say, like, did you have a shot? Well, I, I do ask people, even though people say they shouldn't ask people. I do because I just want to know and then I do you know, I do voice my opinion because I just medically I think it's a good thing and I understand people yeah. don't like taking vaccines, but this is important. This is not like yeah. anything else. And eventually okay. this will be a, probably that, a booster. No, I'm just saying yeah. so on people that, they, uh, they're they're still afraid. Let me, on on that track, you know, as an artist, Carolyn, do you think yes. that other people can imagine where you have been or you know, somebody reports on COVID, but your art is an exact extrapolation of that terror into images. Can people who have not had COVID understand your images? And I want to follow that up with another question. Can abstract art have an emotional life? Okay. And do you consider your your work with the images to be abstract or not? I mean, I know that's four questions. I'm sorry, I should only ask them one at a time. Right. Well, but, uh, I want to get inside yeah. your head a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, no. Um, well, the work is familiar to people right now. You know, those who've been through this time will look at it, and it's yeah, familiar. Right. Um, although, yeah, although I I put images, words visuals together that don't necessarily go together, but they, they comment on each other. Um, people will make sense of it. With all art, you don't know the story that people are going to hear. I mean, you know, that's why uh, as an educator, 
um, I want students to tell each other the story that they heard. Uh, but um, is it abstract? No, I don't think it's abstract. But I but I do think it's Dada. It it sketches. It's it it's not a narrative with a beginning and a middle and an end. A traditional narrative is once upon a time and then yeah. and then and then and so right. And there is no and so. Um, because everybody yeah, will have their own. Everybody probably has their own images in their own mind that they have, you know. But what about so later on in life? Okay, we we at the beginning of uh, COVID, the, my guess we'd be talking about things, and we go like, well, will you add COVID in your stories, or will they be, or you write stories about COVID? And at the beginning, I think a lot of people said no, and then as the months went on. I might we talked about this other times and people said yes because it has become a part of our life not just a small little day it became a big part of our life and and it will continue to be a part of people's life mentally I mean people are not going there are still people like not ever going back to work they're going to work at home so what will happen later so when you write a book or have images and you're doing this what will what will you hope will happen for people after us. Well, Marcia, let me let me butt in on that one. You see, what uh, my <laughs> sense is that we have, starting back in the middle of the 19th century, we've been having this battle with form. Right? I mean, you wind up from poetry that doesn't track the data to paintings that are just a line on a canvas. So, COVID actually broke the social culture. There's no way to dis- there's no way around that. Kids didn't go to school. People didn't get married. You know, you couldn't go out and, and go to a movie. The culture as a whole was broken. Do you think that your art, Carolyn, is a way back to reclaim some kind of form in this broken world? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a search for form. Um, I I was working. Uh, quite literally, at a fever pitch. <laughs> I yeah. told you about my fever dreams, Jack. But, That's very um, funny. I didn't know women had a sense of humor. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're on the, yeah. Then you're on the wrong show. No. You're on the wrong show. <laughs> well, I'm often in the wrong. I make many mistakes. <laughs> So let's go back to that form, Carolyn. That's intriguing to me. To forms in general, um, to forms changing. (laughs) We go all the way back to uh, the Black Plague. People, you know, after the plague uh, started painting, uh, death and the reality came into, you know, paintings. And uh, during World War One, I, I mean, there were there were several, there were probably more than several. There were, there were many responses in literature and art to World War One. I. I mean, it was ghastly. It was barbaric. So, you know, the the Dadaists, the Surrealists, didn't want reality because reality looks horrible. Right. But there were others who went back to traditional reforms. Let's recapture this. Let's save what we were. Let's save what we knew at Terry Traditions. You know, World War Two. We talked about that too, Jack. You know, what happened after World War Two? There were the beatniks. 
and there were the abstract expressionists because who wanted to paint a bowl of oranges, right? But then there were the, you know, people hoping to uh, go back to what they called was normal. It was never, it it was, it was a, a type of normal that's never existed before. You know, the, the, the let, me, let me break in and, and let me see if yeah, this yeah. is what you're saying. What you're suggesting that after every major cultural or social interruption, art takes a different form either in reaction to that or progressing away from it. Is that what you're saying? Because the examples you say, you know, I mean, after World War II, the, what's going to be after, see, how do you lead us, how do we emerge as artists from the plague that we've just experienced. I know that that is a, a really, I think that's an exciting and a beautiful question. Yeah, that, that remains and to be seen. We don't know that exactly what will come okay. out of this for people because we're still, okay. I think probably because we're still in it, you know, basically. Yeah. You know, we're not really out of it. You know, uh, I do want to talk also about your other work, you know, um, because okay. I was looking at your, you know, and I know you wanted to talk about that also. So let's talk about Rose Kincannon. Rose Kincannon. Because so, there's a video that there's a video that is out there and that you um, did with a collaboration, and you wanted to talk about how you collaborated to get a message across. Yeah, like you and did I, in that I, book trailer. It's really good. I love I love Rose and I I have written quite a few novels but Rose was the first I published I was just too busy and I like I said I'm not a I I am not a late bloomer but a late harvester but Rose yeah. um, Rose was written in in a time of such cultural shift too because 1963 that was the year that John Kennedy was was right. killed it was right. one of those times where if you were alive then you remember what you were wearing and where you were. It was the year that the four little girls were killed in the church in Birmingham. And and so this is this is a family story set at that time. Um a lot of people think that it's a memoir um because I wrote it um well because I went to Catholic school and was a little girl then. Uh, but 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 it really <laughs> but it really isn't. But it took me, um, Marcia, it took me a long time to finish Rose. I published it first as as a short story, um, the first chapter, Lucky Little Baby. Um, but I was reading, who was I reading? It was reading Eudora Welty at the time. And, and people read it and said, well, the, the little girl sounds Southern. Because <laughs> my ear was <laughs> <laughs> Southern writing. Uh, but when I w- wrote Rose, um, Jack, you talked about not letting things go too soon. Mm-hmm. I took so long to let it go. I, you know, I, I wanted to do what James Baldwin had said, you know, write a sentence as clean as a bone. Um, I didn't, you know, Paul Simon says, don't write a single note that isn't worth hearing. So I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be really clean and beautiful. Um, uh, well, Elmore Leonard, Leonard says you know, he needs that. Yeah, but you know what? They probably, you know, read. like with Elmore Leonard and everything, they, the people that wrote in those that wrote those books, they didn't mm-hmm. know that they were going to be known like they are now. They did not know they how they 
they did had no idea how they would be remembered. Okay, they wrote and see. I've had guests on my show which have helped me lately by saying, "Don't you have to get work out though? You can't just sit there and hold it because you'll never get anything out." And so I'm doing like instead of constantly thinking it could be better. I you have to yeah. start writing new things and that is for me was is very difficult and I've had guests and actually um one of them is Vincent Zandre he writes um very well he's very well known but he also does videos now and he's telling people just write you know because I think sometimes we mm-hmm. just don't uh, we don't, or we go like it could be better. But the people, like you mentioned before, they didn't know their writing was going to be remembered like it was, and they probably had the same no. problems. You know, they probably figured, oh, is this good? You know, and, and will anybody ever look at this? And that's what we all face. Yeah, so how long do you have to if wait? The writer, yeah. If the writer doesn't have some kind of inner criteria, one can't even begin to see, as, as Carolyn pointed out, the beginning, the middle, and the end. You've got yes. to have some kind of criteria that are internal or external in order to know when you reach the end of something and it's time to let it go. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, yeah. otherwise you wind up with formlessness, you know, which which in many ways is the, is the product of the personal memoir today. Is there's a lifeline, but, but, but I think it no is important line. for people, you know, in this show people do listen mm-hmm. to, you know, the things that help writers because honestly, that mm-hmm. it can hold writers back. And we're missing Absolutely. some really good work because mm-hmm. they're not, mm-hmm. they're afraid. And sometimes right. you they, have to just yeah. let it go. That's right. Well, well true, but they have to have some criteria that says it's time to let it go. You know, that's that's a real well, question. In, in, in my teaching, I find that most writers are in such a hurry to get published that they don't worry about where they came from, how they got there, what their technique is doing. Yeah. They don't look at the things that make a, a, a work good, and we can argue about that, just like we can argue about beautiful, what is beautiful. Yeah. Right. You know, does it make you feel well, good? You say, well, it's oh, I want one of those. It's open now to writers. Years ago, not everybody got published. Now you can, as you can know, people are independently published, which is fine, and that's a good thing because there are some people that would not have gotten published traditionally, and we've missed it. We would have missed their work because their work is good. Right. Sure. You know, so I think that's the other thing. But I do think it's impo- the Sometimes the writer doesn't always like the finished product, but when they look at it later, like for me, like right. sometimes I'll go. For me, when I listen to my book on an audio. It's almost like I didn't write it, and I'm going like, oh, it sounds good, but not if I'm reading it. Yeah. If I'm reading it, it's going, oh, my God. But when you hear it, that's for me. Is uh, That's why I think a lot of people, I'm always telling people, listen to audiobooks, and this is good for authors to learn how to write better because you can really hear the story better and when you're reading it something about reading it you that people happen to look for a comma they look for problems you don't need problems what you need is to listen to yeah. the story and the story is Absolutely. good if the, if the story is good you know carolyn when you revisit when, that, carolyn when you revisit your work after time away do you feel what marcia just said you know that, oh okay. who did that did i do that i i have no memory <laughs> of, of writing it <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I agree. And this is right. Perfection. That's true. <laughs> like, where was my head I, I, when I, I was writing that? Right. Yeah. What was I thinking? There, 
I think, you know, it was writing Rose, uh, I had nothing more to do with it. It was as far as I could go with hanging on to it. I, 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 I did the opposite <laughs> of what of what you said, Jack. I, I, I waited so long. And then a very good friend of mine who's a playwright, Mary Stone Hanley, um, scolded me for hanging on to it and revising it for so long. And she said, Carolyn, art isn't just for the artist. Right. Nobody exactly. cares if yeah. there are mistakes. Nothing's perfect. Well, yes. okay. Charlotte That's right. Webb they want the story. They want the story. The story. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but but it's an interesting challenge to to get something as clean as you can, but you can go on forever. Nobody cares. Yes. Nobody cares yeah. if the books that any of us wrote are good or not. Although if they're wonderful, you know that that enriches people's lives. But yeah. I like the idea that art isn't just for the artist, Marcia. Sometimes I think of that as you know creating art and putting it out there, which I'm finally beginning to really do. You know, and harvesting yeah. is is that it's kind of like paying the piper. This is my responsibility for being alive. I have to, yeah. I have to put right. these things out there, whether they're right. important or not. I, this is, but yeah, you know, but is, maybe sometime later they will be. We may not be around, but somebody will say, oh, look at that. Look at that piece oh, sure. of work, you know. And we don't know yeah. that. You look at Hemingway or any of, those, any of those people from the past. They never thought their work was good. Right. Right. And they read it and through the lens of their now. So yeah. you're going to read Charlotte Webb through the, I bring up Charlotte Webb's a lot because I think it's perfect. It's the only book I've ever read that I think is perfect, but <laughs> but you read it through the lens of now. You know, anything yeah. you read, yeah. you read through the lens of now. You wanted to talk about the... Um, the the little movie you made about Rose. Yes, the trailer because I I really you know and I you the know trailer. and you the thing about your trailer is you added you know like as the world turns all the things that were happening at that moment you know in the people's lives and it's still you know soap operas are still important but in those years those soap operas were unbelievably yeah. important to people they waited. Mm-hmm. They were, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't have they demand. Were if they missed it, they didn't have demand. Like now, if you miss it, you could tape a soap opera. But then you had to be seeing it, and so people were at home and they were watching it. And so I loved how you included that in, and then you also included, you know, the murder of Kennedy. You know, I mean, you put all the little things that at that particular time were happening in the world. Yeah. You know, for yeah. people's lives. Yeah. And, and the even the way they even even the way they cooked the on the oven, even the way they cooked on the burners, you know, I thought it was mm-hmm. very unique and really well done. And so you collaborated though with people. I collaborated, and uh, when I was uh, moving towards finally publishing Rose, uh, after my friend scolded me, um, <laughs> she scolded me for not <laughs> publishing a lot of things, but but this book at the time. Um, I was going to do a GoFundMe, and I felt uncomfortable about it. I found it sort of, I don't know, for me it was kind of demeaning or something. I just didn't want to do that. But I thought, well, maybe I'll do it to pay the editor uh, to, you know, pay for the book design. Anyway, that's what it started out to be. And I, I, um, one of the, one of the wonderful things about working at an arts college is I, I'm working with artists in all 
different disciplines, and they're eager and they're wide awake. So I hired a videographer named Karina Nyquist, and she, you know, I was just past 60 when I finally published this, and she was in her early 20s. And somehow, Marcia, she saw what I saw. She it's, saw it's great. what I saw. Which and is wonderful. That is, when, that, when that happens, it's, it's really good. It's art. She, yeah. she, but there was some kind of woo-woo alchemy happening. She drew a living room, and in that living room, she put a lamp on a table and a table that looked like the table and lamp in my parents' house that I grew up in, wow. even though it wasn't wow. anymore. She just wow. got it. She got it. And I thought, that is, that's what art can do. We're communicating yeah. across generations, across decades. And she sees what I see. And the process, the process was really fun because I, I was working with her to bring to life what the story was, we drove around Seattle. We looked for a house that would represent the house and the story. We looked for a school that looked somewhat like the school. So isn't that nice to do a multi-generation type of thing where you're, you know, you're both seeing the same thing in different generations? It was amazing. It was, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it sounds incredible. I mean, there incredible. were a few anachronisms. Yeah, you know, there were a few anachronisms we had to correct along the way. Um, but it it was... It was so satisfying, and I, I told her later, if if I could draw, if I could animate, I would draw what you have drawn. It just, when I saw what she had done, um, it made me cry. You know, and we looked but I bet, she, I, bet, I bet she learned a lot by working with you. I oh, bet she, she was, and I yeah, so I think that's, that's really great for her to have learned other, you know, than just not right now, to know what happened before. In life, she, oh yeah, and she she kept adding just beautiful little details that mattered. You know, the sound as the shutters on the window closed, the little moth buzzing around a lamp, the tiny little details that aren't on the page when you read something. So it bring it to life the the way a play or or a movie would. Um, yeah, Jack, so is, Jack, isn't, Jack, isn't that what you like to always do, talk about, you know, what people see and be able to describe what they see and really see it through the eyes and not go fast in how they describe something? I think that's how I met you. I heard you say that, you know, you, you say, look across the street, what do you see, you know, and mm. to get people to, re- to understand that. It, Jack, isn't that part of what you do a lot? Yeah, right. Well, one thing I wanted to ask, uh, you just described a movement from a cool or written medium to film. Do you think that's the future of writing? Are we are we projecting stuff now that we're almost writing scripts which become a platform on which to make a film, a movie? Well, I do that. Uh, I do or, that constantly. Or, I do that. Right. I do that because that's true. Because I take what some of the scripts that I've done and make them into books, and then when I get a review, someone says, "Oh, this should be a movie." I'm going like, "Yes, yeah. you're right. This should be a movie because I wrote it right. through my eyes as a movie," and. I I think that's a possibility because there you know right now people are actually watching a lot that's why I had my all through the summer I had you know a lot of shows about who that Hulu and you know and 
you know, Prime and all that. We were talking about all these different shows, you know, that people were watching, you know, and authors were, you know, authors were, authors were watching, you know, excuse me, they were watching old movies, you know, and things of the past. I had some very young people on. They were watching a lot of the soap opera, not soap opera, but a lot of the serials from the past, and they were learning. So I think what COVID has done is it's brought a lot of TV and books and, and a lot of people together where they would say, like, who are you talking about? Well, now they know who they're talking about, you know, some of the old shows that we might have well, talked but, about. See, I, I sort of asked that question because uh, Carolyn is moving her visual, her written word to visual imagery. She finds somebody who actually sees in the visual imagery something that yeah. she was thinking or it became part a good friend of mine, Nicole Disney, who has written a oh, number yeah, I know. of novels. Yeah, she's been on the show. Yeah. Okay, right. She just said she just sent me a note or sent out a note that said her short story that she had written uh, is going to be made into a film. So see, we seem to be using one one medium as a platform or as a springboard to another medium. Let me ask you yeah. the question. That, could that be the future, or is there actually still a future in writing in and of itself? I know that's a t- that's almost impossible to answer. How can we see well, the future? I think there will always be people that will just want a book, and they don't. You know, there are a lot of people okay. that don't care about TV or movies. They just don't. You know, and right. um, so I don't think that will ever go okay. away. Because, but I do think there's different versions, maybe, of the same story that maybe could be mm-hmm. taken to the screen, but that doesn't. You might not get the same audience at all. You probably won't right. get the same audience right. as the ones that read right. the book, because that always has been where people go, "Oh, the book is better." <laughs> they don't like the movie, yeah. you know. So I, I don't think books will ever. I hope not that books won't go away the same way. I hope movies would never, because movies are great, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know, Carolyn. What do you think about that, Carolyn? I, well, I think they're very different experiences. It yeah. isn't one yeah. or the other. I mean, the, the experience of having a book in your hands and right. you know, yeah. sitting right. in a hammock, you know, in a campground. I mean, books yeah. are wonderful. Um, we fall in love with some books, and we see the movie, and it's not right. It's wrong. Right. But exactly. it's a different yeah. version. It's it different, right. It can't be the same. It's a different exactly. version. I, You're right. I do know that, that when I write, I don't know what your process is, Marsha, but when I write, um, my mind is a bit like a, a movie camera. You know, I, yeah. I am seeing things of what needs Me to too. be captured I in do this too. shot. I see it that way. Shot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when it becomes a film, uh, you you surrender a, a, a little yeah. bit. Well, that is what happens. Because it, it all depends on who's directing it, right? There's so much, you know, when you write a book, it's more private. When you do a movie, you got a crew around you. And that's a whole yeah. different ballgame when you have so many people, you know, this one likes that, this doesn't like that. They change the dialogue. They change the the sex of the person. Either they don't like it that it's a man, it's a woman. I changed the script one time, and I never should have done it because they thought they liked the script, and so they said, oh, it was a grandmother, and then they made it to a grandfather. And that's what they do when they do movies. And so, and I never felt comfortable that it was the right 
the way it was because it should have stayed the way it was, you know. But oh. that's how it is. I want to I want to I want to read a quote back to you, Carolyn, and then I want you to comment on it. Right. Uh oh. <laughs> said, "Living living is so exciting to write is being alive." <laughs> you, you still feel that? <laughs> Life, you said, here you said, you said, <laughs> living is so exciting. Now, I think maybe other people could have written it, but certainly a COVID survivor is more than aware of the meaning of that sentence. Yeah. Living is so exciting to write is being alive. Yeah. Uh, so, sure. you know. Yeah. I said that. You did. Well, I have it. I didn't make it up. I'm a writer, but I didn't make it up. That's actually a quote that comes in. Are we a special species? What are endlings and living is so exciting. See, that's your optimism that I love so much. You know, you're just full of hope, but you create these wonderfully dark images. I just love that contradiction. Well, but that's a. But you know, that's a separate part of her, probably. I mean, you know, we all have different sides. You know, especially when you're writing. I think regular people, the people. When I say regular people, I say people that don't write. But people that write, we do have different sides. But you know, and that's hard for a lot of writers because sometimes you you kind of hold back because you go, oh, what will they think of me? It took me a long time to get over that, and I'm still not all over it. But you know, because. Sometimes it's a character, it's coming out in the book. It has nothing to do with your life. But in our lives, we are different people sometimes, you know, in different places or whatever. You know, I'm actually pretty much the same 24 hours a day. (laughs) It all kind of changes. Some people hold back a lot. They hold back, you know, and you don't really know them that much. And you know, but well, Carolyn me, obviously, yeah. obviously, Carolyn is outgoing, and she is enjoying oh, yeah. life, which is great. You know, yeah. you're, you know, this I is a great way to you know, she's a, That's why she, that's why she's a good teacher. You know, it's because yeah. she's outgoing, and what she does as a good teacher is pull the creativity out of her students into some yeah. kind of form. Yeah, right. that's that's very very admirable. Which is what I, you do I want too. To do I one, mean, I want that's to do why one people thing, like to work. That's help. why everybody, Jack, that's been on the show that's worked with you, they all like to work with you because that's what you do for them. Right. And, well, and you're you're asking her, but okay. but Carolyn, do you think that that's part of Jack's personality to get the best out of people? I do think that's what he does. Hmm. He wants the best out of their writing. Yeah. You want to get the best, and you want to help students, artists, um, put on the page, put on the canvas what their vision is. You don't want yeah. the story to become what you want it to be. You want it to be what they want it to be. Help them right. find that. And, and not what their agent wants. It to, their agent, their manager, their beta readers, whatever. Don't be what they want to be, you, you to be. You be yeah. what you want to be. Because you're writing that, and your or your artwork is yours, and that's really the truth. If you can capture that feeling, you can get a good story because it's your story. It's not someone else's, you know. And you have to be who you have to be. So I think Carolyn, that is who you are, and I think that's obvious. Yeah. Uh, Let me. Marsha, I don't know. I don't know how much longer you want us to keep talking. Here. Well, you could go. <laughs> I can go as long as you want. We can go if Carolyn can okay, stay. Okay. Well, I want. I want. To, I want to slip this in. All right. As you know, I've I've got a lot of books in print, and I've worked with a 
lot of editors and publishers and stuff. And I wanted to put in a plug for Sidekick Press, the one that's bringing out my What Do I yes, Know with new one. Essays. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's the new one. The editor there, Lisa Daly, is really a jewel in the writing world. I mean, she is that's really, great. really a jewel. You know, they have been so good getting things done, reminding me to get things done. And, and I think that often in this world of writing, we focus on our books, you know, the words on the page that I have done, without yeah. really kindly acknowledging the people who helped us get them there. And I think that Lisa has done just a marvelous job. You know, our interactions have been really great. Um, and I, you know, in that same vein, you know, Catherine. Um, Treadgold, who was the editor-publisher at Coffee Town yeah. Press. She was the same kind of publisher, and that's why I think that yeah. I like her and and Lisa in the same, in the same way, because they didn't try to take, you know, you said your grandmother became a grandfather, you know, well, in the yeah, in your and screen. Yeah, exactly, well, yes. Cara, mm-hmm. both, both Catherine and uh, Lisa don't try to make your story theirs. They don't try to, uh-huh. to co-op, uh, co-op. They try to see, and so much of what Catherine did in editing the, the essays for me was to find out behind the obfuscation of my language what's the clarity you're trying to get to. And she found so many things, just lightened the thing up. And Lisa saw that too. She, so anyway, I think that in the world of publishing, we often dismiss the people who helped us put the words on the Right, and I, I do agree with that. Covered. And I do, we've had editors on the show a lot, and I always talk about my editor, Jeff. You know, I talk about Fideli, who's helped me do my books. But right. that is true, because I think people think you just put something on a page and you go, oh, here's a book. Well, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's not easy. There's the cover. There's, you know, getting what you want. Like what I said about the grandmother and the grandfather, that was in a screenplay because that's how sure. it, that's a whole different, in a book. But see, they were trying why, to make it theirs. They took yours right. and, and they and wanted the fact, to make it right. theirs. And, and the independent yeah. publishing in a lot of ways is good. And that's why I had a show on this Vela, you know, Vela from, is coming from Amazon where people are going to be able to put their, whatever their chapters are out individually and then it'll be on Amazon and people will come in and pay coins to read it but I think that will bring authors a new sense of freedom that they can go out there and write something and even under another name just to try it out so they can see if anybody's even going to read their work work or give them any you know uh, talk well, to, you know, they'll tell, way, you know what, what's wrong what with it talking, or if they didn't like yeah, it yeah. so I think that's what you're freedom. talking I think about authors, right there is bypassing yeah. that publisher editor who could help yeah. them make the work you know more concrete more real more readable whatever. well that's true but and then it also holds back a lot of people from sending work to publishers mm-hmm. you know they throw it yeah. in a drawer and they go i'll do it sometime and they never do it yeah. this way right. people will get their work out there and maybe it's not for them but they'll, they'll figure it out they might enjoy the fact of people reading it and giving them comments because that's what it's going to be about or they made because you can put everything on there and then you can get it published in a book and you know you can go to an editor then or whatever you want to do and you could still but you finish the book a lot of people won't finish things they never finish 
Well, and if you don't finish, you can't learned, do anything. A couple things I learned from Natalie Goldberg. One was don't throw yourself away, what you're describing, to put it in a shelf or in a drawer and leave it. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're throwing yourself yeah. away. And the other yeah. is finish what you start. The yeah. whole focus of time writing was, okay, set the timer for 10 minutes and write until the timer says stop. Don't stop before. Yeah. Finish what you start. Yeah. Yeah. And if yeah. you amplify that into 150, 200 pages, you can get some pretty good writing. So, yeah. You know, that's just yeah, well, but there's so many things that people talking. are so afraid of. But, you know, certainly, Carolyn, you know that people are afraid to do this. So this way that yeah. gives them some sort of, you know, way to see if this is really what they want to do, if they really want to write, because it takes a lot of work to write. It's not easy, you know, and you're giving yourself out there every time you write, you know, but this way people can just start, and I think it's good for them. Marcia, you said something that really struck a chord with me. You said you at one point had to give up hoping, no, wondering, hoping that people, you know, wanted or liked it, you know, that, that deep yeah. thing we yeah. have a yeah. we have yeah. a, a deep seated family need to be loved, and if you as a writer or as an artist can give up that need, then you transcend, I think, into a new place where the art that comes out is not painted or con- hmm. implied by the love that you are working for. Just let it go. And then when yeah. it's ready, you get it out. And if they like it, fine. If they don't, well, you know, that it may be their matter. problem, not yours. It doesn't matter well, if anyone likes it, really. But I, to be an artist takes such humility and such ego. Yeah. You know, the combination yeah. of those yeah. two. Yeah. And most of us don't. A lot of writers, a lot of new writers, you know, and seasoned writers, they still don't have that thought that, oh, this is great. And, you know, and maybe, you know, and most writers that I know do not, you know, they struggle a lot of times with what sure. they're doing. You know, but they, but without doing it, they have no life at all because that is their life. Right. So, right. But they have yeah. to do it, you know. But I think when yeah. people listen to this show, I try to explain to them not to stop writing just because somebody says they don't like it because if you do that, You'll never finish, yep. and it, you'll never you'll never have this. If you really think you're a writer, or not if you really think it, if you really love it, and that's what the thing is. A lot of people they seem to forget about having a good time when they're writing. Even though you struggle, you should really like like that you're doing this because you don't have to do it then. Or artwork. I mean, Carolyn, you know, you you're struggling with things, but you enjoy it when you're done. You go, oh. I'm happy I did this, you know, and we all, you know, well, then you're happy you did it. It's, it's so important to have fun. <laughs> that's, right. that's my yeah. final word. I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah. I'm here and still alive. It's so important to have fun. And I agree. There's so many ways to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn, I have I, another I think question that, for you. Yeah. I have another question. I'm, I'm full of questions. Mm-hmm. Carolyn, yes. we, do you we do know that. We know when that. you look at your work? <laughs> Do you ever cry when you look at your work? The, the, oh, it, cry because it moves me. Um, you feel some emotional good. burst out in your in your body. Oh, and I love that. I, I it, yeah, it, I've had that. I, I have amazing. had that. Yes. Mhm. You have you, yeah. Marcia? Yeah. 
Yes, I have. Absolutely. And and then you know you got it right. Yeah. Yeah, This moved me. This stirred me. Did I write that? You know, yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and yeah. especially in my one yeah. of my first books, My Love Changes, My Love Changes, that was very emotional because I actually, you know, worked in a place where I can get, you know, the knowledge of how, um, you know, of what the situation was happening. And I, yes, well, I, you, it took me a long time to get over there, that. Marcia? Are you mm-hmm. masking something? Are you hiding something there from? No, I yes, don't hide you, you paraphrase. You went to em- euphemism. You put in a situation that you, you know, uh, I think that's pretty funny. No, I like actually, you know, at the beginning, Temple. I think sometimes when writers are at the beginning, sometimes it's it's true to themselves. They just put it out there on how they feel, you know, and then sometimes people hold back too much. So my advice these days is to just let it go. And it's taken me a long time to do that. You know, just let it go. Well, and I now this. find in some of my work that my family's appearing, <laughs> not as my family, but the conversations yeah. that I do in my dialogue is just it feels more natural because it feels like situations I could have been in or would have been in or, you know. And yeah. so I, I find for myself that writing about families kind of is – interesting for me because i kind of feel closer to my family they're gone the, these people but i'm kind of having the same conversations i had with them and my characters are doing it so i think we change well, a lot when we write yeah. you know well, you know natalie I natalie do. goldberg talks about that process of letting go she says yeah. when you write you know let it go let it all come out i think she quotes annie lamott at some place where yeah. she says Empty the vault every time because it's you know, it's the infinitely deep pool that you're drawing from. So go yeah. ahead and in that time let yourself go. But we don't know go. that. You know, especially when we're just starting, we don't know. And that's one of the things is that's why I think, you know, for people just starting out, they just should just keep writing because when I was an agent, I gave all these people, I had a, a lot of clients, and they most of them gave up except you know some a few of them are out there but I still stayed in the whole time and I kept telling them just stay in and they were wonderful they were actually really good writers but this takes it's not easy so it, this takes a lot out of you and it's sometimes when you're writing I'm sure both of you find this you're exhausted mentally because I think people think oh you just but you're in the situation I know when I am writing something I'm in there and Carolyn it sounds like oh, you write like that yeah, you're in there. Oh, you're, yes. you're you're right in there. You, you're in you that family or whatever. You see your characters walking down the street. You know, you yeah. you enter a you're you're Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. Jack, well, are you tired after writing? That... Jack, Jack, because you're very you're a very thorough, intense writer. So when you're done writing, how do you feel? Are you tired, or are you just Exhausted. exhausted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 My muscles don't hurt, but my brain, my brain is a, just, right. just gone to putty. Yeah. It's almost like we're it's in a, a trance long... because it's it like is. what Carolyn said. Because sometimes you go, like what she's saying is true. Sometimes when I'm listening to the, my, I'm going like, man, what was I? I don't even know where I got that from, you know. And everybody yeah. thinks like writers, you know, they go, oh, you write a whole outline. And most of the authors that have been on my show, most of them, they just write. And everybody says you have yeah. to have an outline, but most of the writers I have on yeah. don't. They just kind of write. Yeah. 
And and that's when you get right. into the situation where yeah. you're tired. Yeah. You're thinking so much, you know, because yeah. your characters well, are you know, moving around. The, yeah, one of the things that I've, I've learned to deal with is what I call the squirm factor. All right, what I mean by that is my goal is to write something and 10 years down the road, read it, and not squirm in my seat and say, oh, my God, how did that get out there? <laughs> if you can look at your work 10 years later and not squirm, and you know exactly oh, yeah. what I mean, don't you? <laughs> See, yeah. so that's that's a measure of, of how committed you were at that time. You know, you put it... You know, I have to... I have to uh, before we the leave the show, I want to say, I, I want to say another time. one of your... Jack, I'd like to have all your friends on. Your, the, the people, I'd like to have a show one time, a two-hour show when we have all the people that are your buddies that we've had on the show because it would be a very interesting show. It would be outstanding. Everyone I know is a unique artist in some way, you know, and they're beautiful writers or artists or painters or They're whatever. so interesting, you know, and, you know, yeah. the, I just have to give a shout-out for Jasmina. We have a, she has a magazine, and in Sydney, Australia, they are on lockdown, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that they stay safe there, you know. Um, oh. It's two-week lockdown, mm-hmm. and I don't know what's going on and they don't you know we'll see how that goes but it's the you know the eys magazine and jasmina who i met from you know jack she's wonderful jasmina sidorowski and we she's a great person too you know we can't she can't be on the show as much as i'd like her to be because the time is very different we have she's also she's also globe trotting right now i think and, and uh, you know, and her magazine, the magazine, it's a, it's a really beautiful magazine, and um, mm-hmm. I also, I did a story on that for her with uh, Eleanor Parker, Good. you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. because these are Jack's friends, so now Carolyn, I'm adding you to the list now of one of my friends from Jack. <laughs> <laughs> There's a list, well, you know, and they're all. You know, Eleanor just published her first volume of poetry and is getting some really Oh, it's a wonderful book. It's wonderful. Reviews. I, I love her. She's a great guest, too. You know, um, Carolyn, you would like her. Maybe I'll have you guys on together, too. You know, because, oh, be you know, so yeah, Jack has, a, Jack has a whole crew here of people that we've had on. Well, and he, I, I Jack gets to the, Jack knows these. Uh, I enjoyed how much we hopped from base to base and, from third base to first base, <laughs> home base to second yeah. base. It's and, you know, it's really good that you both – I'm happy that both of you are not good here, you know, from fighting what you did. And, you know, look, at I mean, all of us that are were with you at the time, you know, we know how hard this was. And so we are, you know, concerned that other people shouldn't have to go through this. So if there are those listening to this show, I don't preach, I'm not preaching, but this is a very – tough disease that people have gotten and they are living and breathing thank god right now but there are others that are so uh, that have lost the battle so i'm hoping people will do what they need to do so we can stop this because we have the opportunity this goes back to the beginning of, of the show uh, what will it be like when we emerge? How will we be as artists? Will we only write about COVID experience, or will we no. use that to springboard into a new future? I think, I think it'll be a new future. Deal. I really do. I think in time, I think it'll be a, just. I think this will be a memory for us. You know, a, mm-hmm. you know, not a very positive one. You know, because we can't help but 
we've lost so many people to it. So it can't be that's you know that's the sadness well, of it. But I do think people will emerge with hopefully feeling better about their friends, their neighbors, and realizing I'm what it's sure. like to be isolated from everybody because that's what we were. I didn't even want to, I, I and yeah. you know, I didn't even want to in the grocery store. I didn't even want to look at anybody or talk to anybody. And for me, it was really yeah. difficult. I do like to talk, and I, I didn't. I just, I'd be sitting, you know, my husband would be in the car sometimes, and I would go out into the store, and I wouldn't talk to anybody, and I hated that. You know, you can't even look at anybody, and so I just get yeah. in the car, and I was like yeah. exhausted. Right. I was exhausted oh. because mentally, mentally yeah. feeling that. I can't even talk to people. I can't touch anything. I didn't know what to do. You come home, then you wipe everything off, and I'm disinfecting everything. So I'm hoping we'll never have to go through that again. Right. And I think what you're you're describing, Marcia, is exactly what Jessica's psychiatric psychiatrist friend said: that humans are deadly. You know, they can make us die. You know, and and this is a big thing for us because so much of us, what we do depends on community. You know, I'm going to publish yeah. a book. There's a whole community out there that supports that process, and yet, yeah. you know, can, can I even be with them? You know, I mean, this is, this is a new time for us. Well, and I think that Carolyn's three points or four points, you know, the plague, World War One, World War Two, you know, all yeah. those things lead us into new images of who and what we are in this time with respect to what we were before. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm just. Yeah, I think. We're do you think this is a question? Do you think we should have? The, we should. Do you think we should have learned about the pandemic in the 1900s if we, mm-hmm. most of us, didn't know about it? Would right. really we didn't? You know, and I can't remember. Like my grandmother, she would live to like in a hundred, and I can't. She never mentioned it. She mentioned things right. like the pogrom, and you know, we knew about other things, but we never heard about this. So, and I don't right. know why. You know, well, you we know, science. We science is, we couldn't get sick anymore. We, you know, science yeah. was modern. We, uh, we couldn't get sick right. anymore. Right, but that's that's and, a good way to look at it. Right, it wasn't going to be like that. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're entering back in with, we're entering back in with humility, with tenderness, with some yeah. fear. But I think also some real clarity and appreciation about what is it about being in the world and being with people that matter yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah, what I think so. That's a good, yeah. Well, right. I think Carolyn, Carolyn touches on a really important thing, and it's not just the humility, but it's the kind of compassion and empathy yeah. that we have for other people now because yeah. we yeah. realize how vulnerable we are as human individuals yes. and as a collection yeah. of humanity. You know, I mean, yeah. we could six hundred and fifty thousand of us died in this country alone because yeah. of that. Yeah. And how do we measure that in the pain that it has brought to the people who survived, to the people yeah. who had to leave their jobs, whose jobs collapsed because other people? Oh, God! Okay. And you know, you we, drive down the street so, and, and yeah. businesses are closed. You know, the, it's yeah. it's it yeah. was a big impact on people. You know, and that's what you, like what you're saying though is like we never thought about that like like I said at the beginning of the show I never thought about getting working what in the hospitals and wherever I worked I never thought about right. you know oh I, I didn't want to touch them or whatever I was drawing their blood right. I was you know doing cardiograms yeah. I'm thinking oh my I n- never for one second ever thought 
like, oh, this could, I could be sick from this. I just was, this was my job. I just was helping the people. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever think anything yeah. like that, right. yeah. you know, could happen. Yeah. And so you're right, yeah. that's, that's the thing. We didn't think it could happen. Yeah. And now we yeah. know. And now it's kind of over, but it isn't like World War Two. There's no ticker tape parade. There are no yeah. heroes. Right, right, right. No right. What are we stepping into? Yeah. Well, I think both of you have been very oh. interesting, Carolyn. I know Jack will be on again. Carolyn, I hope you'll come on. It's a, you know, and we should have a, a panel show about you know we could talk about and maybe in September or something about you know COVID and things because people still want to talk about it. You know, I haven't talked yeah. about it very much in the last few months because we don't want to, but we're probably going to have to, unfortunately. Yeah, this we're real good at denial. We're, yeah. we're really yeah. good at denying catastrophic yeah. slams to I, the culture. I'm interested in, in putting together a show. I've just started talking to people, Marsha, Jack, about putting, curating a show of the work that people have done during the pandemic because yeah. we've been working, but we've been separate. So what have the musicians been doing? What have the artists been painting? Yeah. Let's, let's yeah that's an interesting concept because I think in a lot of ways, you know, and all the performers, you know, that were in their houses, you know, they, they, there was nothing yeah. they could do. There was nothing. I mean, they were in the nothing. house. There was, they couldn't go to their jobs at all, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you can work from home if you're a comedian well, or Marcia, whatever. You, you, you remember, Marsha, you, you remember Larry Christ. He, he was on your yes. show once. Yeah. He, he is a, a pretty fine actor. And he lives down in, in Northern California. He moved. Now. I know. I remember he and moved. He, right. He's he's working with a group that is going to do the, uh, Waiting for Godot, but he they had their oh. first rehearsals online on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they had it on and Zoom. And it's only wow. in the last couple of weeks that they've actually gotten the people on stage together. And he's wow. telling me that there's an incredibly different dynamic between being on the stage, feeling the other person, oh, yeah. you know, being, yeah. you know, this kind of, and watching them perform on a screen. Yeah. And so this mm-hmm. is what we've missed. We've separated ourselves from the beauty of being with other people oh, yeah. because there's yeah, so many hard. of us who are deadly. <laughs> Yeah. No, and I think I think it's true. There are there are a lot of people that really, you know, hopefully will get help because they have. This has been too traumatic for them. They can't handle it, you know, and that that's a problem, you know. And they will need to get help because you know. I mean, if you are by if you've been by yourself in the house, that was difficult. But now people are starting to get out. So I think that you know maybe people will recover a lot faster than we think. You know, because it, you know, well, you know how really, much better you We're feel. really good at denial, Marsha. We're really yeah. good at denial. So, <laughs> but yeah, like Carolyn, when right. you went out, but you, it won't you got be used for the right it. reason. Yeah. 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 Well, like Carolyn, you said you felt good when you got outside without a man. Oh well, I think that there's there's joy to be had, um, yeah. you know, as yeah, well as acknowledgement of what we've been through, and you can hold both those things together, yeah. both those things yeah. at once. Isn't this wonderful? There's so much I have nothing I can say, but here we are. Um, yeah, that's what, that's that what I say. That's what I say. I say sure. those that have made it out alive, they're lucky. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know that's how I look well, at it, you know, and I hope people you know, just put the, feel that way. Let's put a sort of a, a, a little buffer in there. 
see, the numbers say so many people had COVID, so many people died, and so many people recovered. But in fact, as Carolyn and I both know, you really are not going back to normal after COVID. Carolyn, no, I think yeah, you told me it took you months before you could breathe, before you didn't feel the yeah. concrete in your chest. Yeah. Wasn't that what you said? Yeah. And, and the exhaustion they don't tell you. and the, yeah, the confusion, the, the COVID brain yes. was. Well, you know, they still don't know enough. They don't yeah. know enough because, yeah. you, know, you know, it's very possible when they say long haulers that it could just mean a year or two and maybe people will then be coming, you know, back to normal and their body will, you know, adjust. And maybe oh. they won't always feel the way they do. So they don't know yet because it's it's too early to tell. They have to do more research on that, how the people will react a year, two years later, you know, how their body is. And maybe by some hope that it that the body will go back to the way it was, you know, maybe that will sure. be true, you know. Yeah. Well, we know I, this. You know, we know this. Art persists. <laughs> Art yes. will keep going because we're committed to it, you know, yes. in and our th- own deluded ways. <laughs> and uh, yeah. thank you both. This has been a very interesting show, <laughs> and I will be back in September, or I will add a show. We'll see what happens, as I said before. And uh, I do hope, you know, everybody listening there has a very good summer because this, this is a lot better than last summer. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Marcia, for having us. Thank you. Thank you, and take care. Yeah, I really take enjoyed care. it. Okay. Oh, good. I'm glad. Okay. All right, and Jack, I will talk to you. Right. Take care. We'll be in touch. <laughs> bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Good night. Bye bye.